Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 106 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. We have a very special treat for you today. We're going to be joined by Mr. Vince Mercogliano. Vince is a New York Rangers reporter for USA Today, Lohud.com, NorthJersey.com, as well as the USA Today Network, and he just does a fantastic job covering the New York Rangers, and one of his articles that really kind of grabbed my attention, and we're going to be talking about that as soon as Vince jumps on here, is he wrote an article about Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren. And as you guys know, I've been very bullish on both players. I think, you know, they're fantastic building blocks for the Rangers. And in a perfect world, they'll be the Rangers' top defense pairing for many years to come. But Vince basically talks about in his article how the two of them have essentially just kind of forced the issue and become the Rangers' top defense pairing. So we're going to talk to him quite a bit about that. We'll see what else we get into as well. And once again, I just hope that everybody is staying safe and in good health right now regarding the coronavirus just do your best to stay positive, and we'll all get through this thing together. All right, and so without any further ado, let's go ahead and welcome today's guest, Mr. Vince Mercogliano, to the show. Vince, how are we doing today, buddy? Pretty good, you know, all things considered. How about yourself? Uh, kind of the same. You know, we're just kind of hanging in there in Connecticut. It's unfortunate that, you know, we can't really go outside right now, but, you know, just just fingers crossed that, you know, everyone listening to this is uh, staying safe and, uh, you know, being smart and just getting through this together. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I echo those sentiments. Yeah, for sure. So I figured we could go ahead. Uh, you know, the article that really kind of caught my attention, I've read a couple of your articles, but uh, the one you wrote on Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox and how they've basically become the Rangers uh, top defense pairing over the past, you know, however many games you want to go back, really the whole season. Um, am I jumping the gun here? Because I'm really bullish on these guys as well. But am I jumping the gun or is this one of the best uh, Ranger defense pairings that we've seen in the past 20 or 25 years or however far you want to go back? I mean, I, I really like these guys. So your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, 20, 25 years, I might call that a stretch. It's a little premature yeah. for that, I think. <laughs> it is one of the better defensive pairings they've had in the last few years. That's for sure. I mean, the, the defense was a concern coming into the season, even in, in, in the preseason. One of the first times we met with David Quinn, that was the first thing he brought up is not, not, you know, he wasn't just talking about defensemen. He was talking about the team as a whole, but he was saying that their defensive coverage needed to improve. And he felt that that was a weak point in the previous season. And uh, you know, they still, I think have some holes on that defensive side, which we can get into, but I, I do think that it was hard for them to deny over the course of the season that Fox and Lindgren developed into their number one pair. You know, I looked it up, Right, it, I was actually writing this story the day that we were in Denver before that final game against the Avalanche before they put the season on hold. Um, they had, at that point started 12 consecutive games, so it was becoming pretty obvious that that was the pair that Quinn wanted out there to start every game. And you know, I, I think that I, I noticed behind the scenes that those guys were super close. Like Lindgren had told me on a few different occasions that. You know, he's from Minnesota. He had not really spent much time at all in New York City. Fox, obviously, is a Long Island kid. And he had really leaned on Adam off the ice to kind of show him around. I know they went away together with a few other teammates uh, during that break that they had in January. Uh, so th they were becoming really tight off the ice. That was something that I had seen in the locker room, like from the time that Lindgren got called up. 
but you saw that chemistry on the ice developing a lot too. And I think the way that their games complement each other with Fox being a guy that's so dynamic offensively and also, I think, very underrated defensively and Lindgren kind of bringing that toughness, bringing that the first guy who's willing to stay at home and let Fox take, take his risks. I think that that chemistry was developing over time, too. And, you know, I don't think that anybody would have predicted, especially after the signing of Jacob Truba, that the top pair would be two rookies. But I think by the end of the season, that that's absolutely what it was. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned you touched on the chemistry there a little bit. That was going to be one of my questions for you. And obviously, you're behind the scenes there. You see a lot of what goes on, you know, with the Rangers. Um, you know, are these guys, you know, have they become, you know, really good friends? Because, I mean, it, it seems like they just really click together on the ice. And obviously, if you have that chemistry off the ice as well, uh, it just makes you that much better when, when you're playing hockey together. So, I mean, do you get the sense that, that these guys are, are pretty tight? Very tight. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I don't know if they would, ne- I might be jumping the gun by saying that they are be- you know, the best friends uh, with each other on the team, but I know that they are very tight and that they spend a lot of time together off the ice for sure. Uh, you see it in the locker room. And like I said, I know Ryan had told me before that he was kind of like a deer in headlights walking around Manhattan, uh, which is where most of the guys live during the season and that Adam was really, you know, helping him out a lot and showing him around. And uh, yeah. Adam kind of downplayed it when I asked him about it. But you could tell that they've got a good relationship. They, we, we even joked, like, the last week before uh, the coronavirus pandemic put the season on hold, the, the, we were being restricted and not able to go into the locker room. Uh, so the guys were coming out. We would request interviews, and they would come out into the press conference room for them to talk. And usually we would get one at a time. But there was one day where Fox and Lindgren came out together and it was kind of, you know, the running joke was that, like, those guys do everything together. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they, you definitely see the chemistry with those guys off the ice for sure. And, and like I said, I think that over the course of the season, we saw it blossoming on the ice as well. Sure, absolutely. And uh, this is something else that, you know, you touched upon in your article a little bit, but I think it's just kind of unique that both guys kind of took different uh, paths to the NHL. You know, Adam Fox was a pretty highly thought of prospect. But then Ryan Lindgren, you know, he just comes over in the Rick Nash trade to the Bruins a couple of seasons ago. And, you know, I, I don't think he was really the centerpiece of that trade. You know, Ryan Spooner was involved in that trade. And, of course, we flip him and, and get Ryan Strom in exchange for Spooner. But, you know, Lindgren, for the most part, I think, was just kind of a toss in there. And he, he started the season in the AHL. I mean, how about him, you know, kind of overcoming a challenge and, you know, starting in the AHL this season and, you know, basically just becoming a mainstay on the Rangers' top defense pairing. I mean, it really is crazy. You go from a minor league defenseman to, you know, one of the one of the top defensemen on the Rangers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, when I was prepping for the season in the offseason and talking to different people in the organization and just doing my research, scouts, all that, he was not the first name when we talked. We knew that they needed young defensemen to step up, but he was way down the list in terms of what I perceived to be the internal prospect rankings. Um you know, I think Igor Rykov was 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 considered by men, many people to be ahead of him. Definitely Libor Hayek. I think Hayek was considered, like, in terms of the left-handed defenseman, he was the guy that I think most thought would get the first opportunity, as we saw he did. He was the one that made the, the team out of training camp when Lindgren got sent to Hartford. Um, so, you know, I, but I do – I will say that Quinn always seemed high on him. I think Quinn really likes guys. He always calls it that edge. Um he likes guys that bring that physicality. He likes guys that show that they're not intimidated playing against the best guys in the world. And that is definitely Lindgren. Uh, he plays with the chip on his shoulder. And I think that he took, you know, we saw some guys when they got sent down, you know, they, they 
didn't take the demotion very well. It affected the, it, it affected them on the mental side of things. I think Lindgren is a total opposite. I mean, he, he loves any kind of a challenge and he took it as a slap in the face because he thought that he had a very good training camp and deserved to make the team. And he clearly went down there with that attitude. And that's why he was brought back so quickly because not only had he made a good impression with the team during training camp, but when he got to Hartford, the work ethic, if anything was increased. I think it also sends a really good message to the players in Hartford right now, because, you know, again, Ryan Lindgren, not really the most highly thought of prospect. You mentioned a couple of guys that were in, ahead of him, you know, on the depth chart. But if you play well enough, you can force the issue and you can force your way on the Rangers. And if you play well enough, they won't be able to get rid of you. You're going to be there. Yeah. And that's the situation that he finds himself in now. Obviously, they traded Brady Shea. So that takes away the guy that was supposed to be the mainstay as far as the left side of the defense is concerned. And now going into next season, we, we it's really a lot of question marks. Mark Stahl is, is a veteran that obviously is flawed. And, you know, he, 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 I think he played better after he returned from that ankle injury, but he's still far from the guy that you want as your top or even second pair defenseman in a third pair defenseman role next year. Maybe you can accept that, but he's obviously has his limitations. Brendan Smith, another veteran guy that I think a lot of fans probably would prefer if he weren't on the team at this point. But he did play pretty well after the Shea trade. But again, when you're talking about Smith and Stahl, you're talking about veterans that aren't going to be a big part of this team in the future. So you've got those two guys who are under contract for one more year going into next year. And then you've got a lot of other question marks on top of those two question marks. And I think the one guy that you can say probably did enough this season to have a role for sure going into training camp next year is Ryan Lindgren. And then you're going to let the Hayaks and the Rykovs, um, you know, kind of battle it out. I know a lot of people are excited about Ke'Andre Miller coming in and signing his entry-level contract, but I have been told by multiple people in the organization that they do not see him starting uh, with the team straight out of training camp. I think that they kind of learn their lesson with certain guys. Um, where they don't want to rush, you know, Adam Fox is kind of the exception, but otherwise I think that they feel very strongly that they want guys to pay their dues in hockey in the AHL first before they rush them to the NHL. And if Ke'Andre Miller goes down to Hartford and, you know, lights it up and earns his way to New York, that's one thing, but I don't think they want to hand him a roll right out of the gate. So really going into training camp, I think the only sure thing that you have on the left side of the defense next year is Ryan Lindgren, which a year ago at this time, I don't think anybody would have believed if I made that statement. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, something else that I want to, to ask you about is it's funny because, you know, the Rangers, they're, they're a young team. They're having this really exciting season. They've been great after the all-star break and, you know, they are still on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. But with that said, they have a legitimate MVP candidate in Artemi Panarin, and they have a legitimate Rookie of the Year candidate in Adam Fox. So I definitely wanted to ask you about Fox. I mean, do you think, you know, he's he's firmly in the running for Rookie of the Year? I mean, I know Kale McCarr is having a great season for the Avalanche, but, I mean, it, could Adam Fox be the guy there? Could the Rangers have two award winners with uh, him and Panarin? I, I think that they, they both have strong cases, but do I think it will actually happen? The answer to that would be no. Um, Even Panarin, like, I think... You know, and I'm obviously, you know, I don't watch the other guys as closely as I watch Panarin. So I, I did write a piece for USA Today last week where I made the case that Panarin, I think, maybe should win the Hart Trophy. And, and that's because not only if you look at his traditional numbers, like he's third in the league in points, 95 points. I mean, obviously, he's one of the most dynamic offensive players in the league. If, but if you look at the underlying numbers, there's a lot that suggests that he not only 
produces points on his own, but he makes a lot of people around him better. And I think Ryan Strom is a perfect case of that. Uh, Ryan Strom is a guy who was kind of a journeyman, had never really established himself with any staying power at any of his previous stops with the Islanders or with the Oilers. His previous career high in points was 50 points. I believe that was in 2014-15. And now this year, in, in fewer than games, he was third on the team with 59 points, easily passing his career high and clearly benefited from playing with Panarin. So that's just an obvious example of how Panarin not only is you know a dynamic point producing guy himself but he also makes his teammates better and, and he really I, I thought was the driving force for the rangers all year obviously at the end at the end of the year mika zibanejad got red red hot and i think that those two i mean i would put those two at this point on par with pretty much any other duo on any other team in the league and i, I as i wrote or actually in a story that was published earlier today i think that that was probably the most important revelation for the team going into future seasons is that they have two guys, two forwards that you absolutely feel great about building around. And you absolutely feel like those two guys can be the centerpieces on a Stanley cup contending team. Uh, so I think that there's a real strong case for Panarin with the heart trophy. Obviously he doesn't have the, the points that dry saddle does with the Oilers. I think he's like 15 points behind him or something like that. Um, but I, I think when you look at the underlying numbers and the overall impact of Panarin on the team, there's a strong case for him. The same thing with Fox. I mean, you know, when you look at Maycar, I think Maycar is the front runner. And I, just based on what I've seen from different, you know, polls with the type of people who do vote in these awards, I don't have a vote. Um, but the people who do vote in these awards, it seems like Maycar and Hughes from, from the Canucks are clearly the front runners right now. I think Fox is right on par with those guys, but I do think overall I would probably lean towards Maycar slightly because he was just such a dynamic point producing player for them. I mean, the game, the, the, the final game before the break, the Rangers played against them. He had three points in that game. Uh, you know, he, he, I, I think a lot of voters would probably give, him and Hughes and edge over Fox. But I do think that Fox belongs in the conversation and should probably be getting more votes than what a lot of people are, are anticipating that he'll get. Yeah, for sure. And, and with Panarin, you know, the one point I would make just to kind of piggyback off of what you said there is I, I always tell people this, I always remind people, it's not always the best player. It's the most valuable player. And, you know, you mentioned Leon Dreisaitl, obviously having a phenomenal season with the Oilers, but then you've also got Connor McDavid there. So do they cancel each other out a little bit? And then, you know, yeah, you, you and might, people could make yeah. the same argument with Mika. They could say Panarin, yeah. but, you know, but, but the thing, but the thing is Panarin carried the team during that stretch when Mika was hurt. And, and, and again, I think that Panarin playing on, you know, Panarin's not playing on a line with guys that would really traditionally be considered top six forwards. Jesper Faust and Ryan Strom each have their own strengths, but I think those guys on a lot of teams would be bottom six type players, but they play with Panarin and they're both having career years and Panarin is still one of the top point producers in the league. So I think that really shows the impact that he has overall. And I would also say that his defense surprised me. Like I knew that he was a really dynamic offensive player when they signed him, but I did not anticipate him being as gifted. You know, I, I think defensively his size, obviously he's not going to go around and throw a lot of checks or anything like that, but his ability with his stick, to kind of steal the puck off of other guys' sticks. I think he, I, I looked the stat up yesterday. He was second on the team in takeaways to Adam Fox. Uh, so he clearly created a lot of turnovers and also just his quickness and his ability to get back on defense. And he just did a lot of things in the defensive zone that I didn't expect out of him. Absolutely. Just a, a very complete player and a guy that I think, you know, us Ranger fans, we, we knew he was a very good player, but I, I don't think any of us knew, realized that he was this good. One other thing I want to talk to you about here, you know, obviously the season is on hiatus right now. 
And, you know, there's some uncertainty. Is it, is it going to return? Are we going to finish the regular season? Are we going to just jump right into the playoffs? But, you know, one of the ideas that's been kicked around, and I've talked about it on my show a little bit, is a 24-team Stanley Cup playoff tournament. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, is, is that something that yeah. you see as a viable option? <laughs> I, I know that there was a, a, the 2014 proposal. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people were talking about that. I know that a lot of people were talking about the so-called players proposal uh, where they would extend the, the season into like September. Uh, I can tell you that I asked around about that, the people in the league, and everybody thought that that was blown out of proportion. The, the feeling right now is that it is just way, way too early to make any predictions. And quite frankly, the feedback that I'm getting is that I think people, they don't want to say this publicly, but I think that there's a sentiment around the league that it's probably more likely the season gets canceled than anything else. I mean, I'm no expert when it comes to the medical side of things, um, but I do know that without a vaccine, the once we start put, dispersing people into society and going about our business as usual – even if we have, you know, quote unquote, flattened the curve, that the chance of a flare up would still exist. So I don't know if there is going to be a time in the next few months where they would feel comfortable having people pack an arena and, and continuing with the season, quite honestly. Now, that's not to say that it's out of the question. It's absolutely still up. It's absolutely still out there. But I don't think we're going to have anywhere close to answers on what the future is for a month two months. It's going to be a while. I, I think the people that are, that are hoping that they're going to have some kind of training camp in April and, and, you know, games coming back, you know, within a month or so are probably not living in reality. I, I think that it's a long time before we have any answers for that. And when they do, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of playoff scenarios. I, I, I don't see no matter when they restart, how they would finish the regular season. You know, like the Rangers had 12 games left. I don't see how you could possibly fit in finishing the regular season and having a full playoffs. I think, it, you know, what I would like to see, if anything, is maybe an expanded playoffs, maybe where you have the Rangers would be one of those bubble teams and have them do some type of short series or one and done. I think that would be really exciting. And then, you know, let the top teams kind of have their buys and guarantee them spots in. Uh, I think it would be good if they got more teams to participate, but Again, you know, I've asked around about this a lot. And right now, I think a lot of people, you know, it's interesting to talk about. And obviously, I think it's a good escape for people to kind of run through these scenarios and what the playoffs might look like. But the reality is, I don't think anybody has any answers right now. And, and I think that it needs to be acknowledged that there's a real chance that we don't see this season finished. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, that it might be a long shot, you know, getting the season underway again. Have you heard anything, you know, talking to people around the league about, the possibility of maybe doing games in empty arenas, you know, is that any more likely to happen than I don't think just... they want to do that. Honestly, yeah. you know, the, the thing, the, 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 the motivation for them to restart the season, they want to finish the season. They want to award a Stanley cup. They want to give the fans that, that escape, obviously, but the financial thing, you know, the financial reasons are also a big part of this hockey. I think more so than any of the four pro leagues would really suffer from not finishing the season. And part of that is the revenue that they would get from filling those arenas. Uh, so I think for them, it would be an absolute worst case scenario to play with an empty arena. I think that they would try to avoid that at all costs. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that if it came down to that, that would increase the likelihood of them just canceling the season. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, again, it's so hard for me to say, like, I don't want to make any predictions. I don't want to say anything for sure. They very well could find a way to finish the season. I hope they do. 
but I, I think that for me or anyone else to sit here and tell you we think this is what's going to happen, nobody knows for sure. It's a yeah. guessing game at this point. I hear you. And, you know, obviously, um, you know, we, we could end with this, I figure. Uh, you cover the team. You're in there, you know, with the players, you know, day in and day out, basically, while the season's going, you know, pre-coronavirus. For me as a fan, and, and you know, obviously having this podcast now, that helps. But even though this isn't necessarily one of the best Ranger teams we've ever seen, to me, this has one, been one of the most fun seasons that I can recall being a Ranger fan because they're young, they're hungry, and you can see them getting better, you know, as the season has progressed. As someone who covers the team, I mean, where does this rank for you? Is this is this one of the more fun teams? I mean, just kind of give me a feel for that if you can. Well, th- this is my first season covering the team. So yeah. for me, this is an entirely different experience. Uh, you know, I'd always followed the team since I was a kid, but this was my first time being around the team. Uh, you know, I was at pretty much every, you know, all 70 games. I I, I missed one or two, but. Uh, you know, th- this is an entirely different experience for me. And, you know, being able to see everything behind the scenes, being able to get to know the players, being able to get to know David Quinn, being able to get to know the people in the front office. Um, the reaction that we got from the fans uh, was tremendous. If the fans seemed to really identify with this team. And I think the hopes for this team and, and especially the hopes of the future were, were clear in everything that we did every single day. Yeah, I think a lot of fans seem to come into the season with reasonable expectations. I think when the Rangers, you know, open training camp by talking about our goal is to make the playoffs, a lot of fans seem to be okay with saying, hey, listen, we don't think this is a playoff team and that's fine. You know, we're we're putting uh, the rebuild as the number one priority. But I think over the course of the season, the, the way that the team improved, you know, the first half of the season was up and down, up and down, up and down. We talked about it being a roller coaster, and there was definitely some frustration with that, especially, you know, when you can get lost in the craziness on social media. But I think in the second half of the season, when this team went on a stretch where they went nine and one or they went 16 and six up steam and, and showing improvement and proving that they could play with pretty much any team in the league. You, you felt that excitement. You felt that, that fans are really starting to buy in. And again, that wasn't only about wanting to make the playoffs, which a lot of people, you know, started taking, you know, I, I think for a while, nobody thought that was realistic. And then everybody started to jump on board with it. But I think even more so for the future, it's a very promising thing for the future. The Rangers have the youngest roster in the league. They have a lot of young players that fans are really excited about and them getting that kind of experience this year and them showing some of the promise that fans were hoping they would show only bodes well for the future. Cause now, like I said, you've got two dynamic in their prime forwards in Zabinajad and Panarin to build around. And then you've got all these young guys, whether it's Shesterkin or Fox or Capo Caco, all these young guys that are starting to come into to their own. And you're expecting will only get better in the coming years. I think the Rangers are setting themselves up with a foundation. Uh, you know, you're looking at a team that should compete for the playoffs for, you know, several years to come. Yeah, I agree 100%. It really is fun when you can tell that, you know, as a fan of a team that there's a plan in place and that, you know, they're they're moving in the right direction. And I think, you know, you, me, all Ranger fans, I think we all get that sense watching this team. But, uh, yeah, you know what, Vince, this, this was a ton of fun, you know, doing this today. And, you know, thank you for joining the show. And I, we got to do this again in the future sometime, man. Yeah, man, anytime. Just reach out to me. I'm happy to do it, especially right now. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to, I'm pretty much writing a story a day, but my time is much more free than it was for the previous six months. So anytime you need, just reach out, let me know. Sounds good, man. We'll, we'll absolutely do this again. So yeah, again, thanks for joining and, and Ranger fans, thanks for tuning in and we will see you next time.
So that wraps up this edition of Locked On New York Rangers. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL. Have a great day. See you guys tomorrow.